0: There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars, a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico Yep, that's where we're going, going to Mexico. In fact, uh, we're focusing on Mexico this week with our very good friend, John Bonfilio, who's in uh, Campeche in Mexico. Uh, John, thanks ever so much for joining us.
1: No problem. Good evening, good morning.
0: Good evening, good morning. And tell us, first of all, about... I mean, this is uh, this is richly ironic. Uh, the former FBI head who uh, headed up the war on drugs has been convicted on uh guess what drug drugs charges <laughs> <laughs> i suppose in a way yes, it's inevitable uh, in the u.s tell, tell me about that yeah
1: not only was did he lead the war on drugs he was the architect on the beginning of the war on drugs in the in the early 2000s but i guess in a way it, i mean not just hugely ironic as you say martin but also i guess inevitable because it, it, i guess when we think of the war on drugs or the cartels we think that it's sort of good versus evil, government versus organized crime. But the truth is that the, the cartels is all, is not a single entity. They are multiple entities. And clearly what what took place here in the early 2000s was that this, the ex-head of uh, the Mexican FBI, Genaro Garcia Luna, uh, decided, some would say he had no choice, to pact with one particular cartel, the Sinaloa cartel, in order to try and take down a series of the other cartels. And that... Uh, Clucking chicken has now distinctly come home to roost. He's going to get between 20 years and and life in prison. Also, I guess if you know if you're being cynical, so, I mean something of a show trial. The U.S. now, uh, even with El Chapo's man of a couple of years ago, have made a, a big thing about having these sort of show trials of of convicting um, individuals involved with uh, organised crime, vis-a-vis uh, drugs in, in in particular, and also with uh, this particular trial is really interesting because actually no great evidence, factual evidence, was presented to convict Garcia Luna. What was really interesting about it was that um, that the government actually managed to turn uh, a whole series of informants and other uh, cartel members who are currently doing time in the U.S. to actually speak uh, against Garcia Luna. So a number of people have observed as well that it's, it's quite it could quite easily be a cartel on cartel, um, you know, conspiracy, which has brought this guy down. As ever with things here, uh, things just get muddier and muddier. And nobody quite knows what is, uh, you know, what is the truth of things. But as you as you say, I mean, no, also worth saying that there is no more high profile figure in you know, in Mexico than, uh, than the ex-head of the Mexican FBI bar president's. Uh, who actually are also coming into the line of fire with these accusations a lot as well. So uh, it, it really cannot be understated, this conviction in, in the U.S. in terms of the impact that it's had on, on Mexican society.
0: Yeah, well, we're going to talk about Mexican society in general. Um, I know that um, Joe Biden has unveiled uh, new border laws which sort of toughen up the, uh, well, make it more difficult, I suppose, for people to get from Mexico into the USA.
1: Yeah, and this happened on the very same day that Enaro Garcia Luna was convicted. It was Tuesday of this week, the Biden administration brought in these tough new immigration laws which to all above purposes look very Trumpian which you know, when Biden came in he said he was going to be all about you know humane immigration policy uh, but these uh, these laws are designed to stop uh, anyone who enters unlawfully from being eligible uh, for, for asylum also akin to Trump's safe third country law where if you pass if you are um, a migrant, and you pass through an in inverted commas a safe third country. You have to seek asylum in that country before you seek asylum in the US. And the third one, which is most almost most controversial at all of all, for Mexico, is that now anybody who tries to unlawfully enter the US will not just get deported back to their country of of abode, but will get deported straight back to Mexico. Uh, at which point they have to wait here to to undertake their their applications, and that's going to put a whole uh, heap of new pressure on the US-Mexico border, which is already massively uh, problematic. So you know, that's certainly the second thing that's, uh, that's given uh, Mexicans something of an existential crisis this week. And the third thing, which takes Mexico right back to the 20th century, is that the current uh, government, Morena, a new party that are in power, have undertaken measures this week also to overhaul the electoral body, diminishing its power and limiting its autonomy, which has also people worried that Mexico could basically go back to being a one-party state. Uh, And the suggestions are that Morena, this again, the, the incumbent government, is trying to solidify its power base and make sure that no other parties can really, you know, get involved legally past the ballot box. So all of these things has definitely made it a very heavy week for Mexico.
0: Yeah, it certainly has. Uh, just looking at life in general in, in Mexico, you know, as far as the uh, the man on the Campeche uh, omnibus is concerned, I mean, what is life like? You know, a lot of people from the UK go to Mexico on holiday and it's usually cantoon that they go to, um, which I, I presume is a sort of place on its own. It's just about tourism is going to be the economy there. But what about, uh, you know, just the man in the street in Mexico?
1: Yeah, most tourism in Mexico tends to exist in isolation on the Mayan Riviera, in Cancun, uh, Puerto Morelos, uh, Vallarta, Acapulco. Less Acapulco these days because it's had a lot of problems recently with with the cartels. But it certainly tends to be isolated in what might be referred to as as resorts. And then uh, the, the the rest of Mexico, actually outside of certain areas which are afflicted by um, illegality and uh, and cartels, actually, much of the rest of Mexico continues to be a really peaceful, beautiful, open, human uh, place for, for people to be. Of course, Mexico has always suffered from uh, economic uh, difficulties vis-a-vis the fact that it is it has this massive 2,000-mile border with the USA. And the USA, economically, is a highly developed country with its own sort of uh, economic needs. And, and Mexico is very much the younger, poorer brother south of the border, so struggles in that particular context. Mexico of 2023 is really unrecognizable from Mexico of the pre-pandemic period, which is also unrecognizable from Mexico of the early 2000s or the 90s. It is now a much more uh, economically developed space. There's huge amounts of investment that have come in since the pandemic caused so much uh, devastation both in terms of the disease but also uh, economically and things uh, here generally are uh, on or perceived to be on something of the up of course there continue to be infrastructural problems with uh, with with the country but I think it is not a country that that is recognizable from you know the news hits that uh, that we get on a regular basis in various newspapers and uh, TV and radio channels and hopefully on your show Martin we sort of redress that balance a little bit
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering if you had a sort of cost of living crisis uh, and high inflation as we have in Europe and uh, in the USA to to a slightly lesser extent, but certainly... Over here uh, in the UK, we're seeing shortages of stuff and, uh, you know, very high fuel costs and people... I mean, I suppose society is structured quite differently here than it is uh, in Mexico, but I just wonder do you have high inflation and all that in Mexico?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. And yes, there is currently a cost of living crisis. There is high inflation and so on here. But as you say completely correctly, um, the infrastructure of society here is different and that, in a way, helps things out here for two main reasons. One is... That there are still significant parts of mexico that if not are fully subsistent then uh, based on subsistence farming and, uh, and produce still have maybe their own growing spaces somebody in their family has a growing space so there is still an ability uh, to to source things like food and produce without necessarily having to purchase it and the second really key thing here is that actually Um, people's local economies are based around a family. So they're not based around individuals. So you might have a family of, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 people living in a house and maybe uh, half of them might be working and that money will not go to the particular individual. It'll come into the central family unit. So this kind of, um, this flux that takes place in in a family context means that people are always helping each other out. So there is, there's maybe not a state safety net, but there 's certainly a sort of family small grouping safety net, which means that even if you yourself can 't afford uh, your day to days or your family 's day to days your broader family is going to come to that uh, to that assistance and that 's definitely very distinct to you know, your anglo saxon uh, early 21st century model
0: yeah uh, and just finally the uh, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria which is uh, uh, has been on our uh, taking up lots of space on our uh, TVs over here. Uh, Mexico has been helping, I believe, with the sort of search and rescue uh, there.
1: It has the earthquake dogs. Mexi- Mexico's search and rescue earthquake dogs, hugely skillful uh, and a source of great pride to so the country. They've always been present, but really they, they came to fame uh, to international recognition in the massive Puebla earthquake of uh, 2017, where they really hit the limelight. In particular, this one dog called. Frida, who's uh, who rescued 12 individuals and has uh, located well located 43 bodies prior to her retirement in 2019 and subsequent death in in 2020. And these dogs have uh, have been hugely celebrated in in Turkey also recently to the extent that one of those dogs that died in the line of uh, died in service called Proteo had this sort of this elaborate uh, funeral uh, celebration. Uh, that took place on site in Turkey in celebration, not just of of the work that Proteo had done, but also of this sort of uh, this friendship uh, that Mexico had cast across the water in terms of sending its teams across to try and help recover uh, individuals.
0: Excellent. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, John. We'll talk about uh, taekwondo next week <laughs> next week because I do want to talk about that. Um, but we're we're going to the U.S. in a second to talk about U.S. sport. Um, But for the time being, thanks uh, thanks ever so much, John. Do appreciate it, and and we'll talk again soon.
1: No problem. Take
0: care. There we go. Uh, John Bonfilio joining us from uh, Campeche in in Mexico. Fascinating stuff. Still sort of like an agrarian uh, society there.